let's do it. Two, one. and welcome to the moonshine jesus show we're glad that you could join us today i hope that you will follow us on social media and that you will think about questions that you have throughout this podcast and we'll try to uh, put a question somewhere in the comment section that will make us look stupid in our third segment we would love for you to stump us today we're talking about roar on Roar. And I'm here with my good buddy Mark. How you doing? It's, it's, it's good to see you. I'm doing great, Caleb. We should mention right off the top because we don't always remember. This is not a spoiler-free podcast. No, it's never not. has been, never will be. Sort of the joy of the show is that we talk about what we're talking about without uh, any restraint, and it's a lot of fun. That's right. That's the only way we can really delve into uh, the theology and politics and Absolutely. out fully. Yeah, right. so, yeah. And also mention, it's brought to you by ProgressiveChristianity.org. Uh, Mark, what yes. are you drinking today? Well, since we're doing Roar, and Roar is uh, uh, about women's issues and empowerment for women, I picked an iconic woman who's recently passed. A drink is named after her. I am having... A Betty White. You can see it's kind of a black liquid. Uh, Betty White is an amazing woman. Folks don't think about all the things that she has done. She was the first woman to produce a sitcom in the U.S. Uh, She was an animal activist on multiple boards, an advocate for LGBTQ uh, rights. Just an amazing woman. That's just the top of the tip of like she did a a variety show, had a, 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 a black actor on the show. And lots of people go to cancel. She basically said, I don't care. Do what you got to do but he's going to be on my show. I mean, she was just an amazing, strong, empowering woman, an icon. Uh, uh, and so this is uh, what her favorite uh, liquor was vodka. So this is two part vodka, one and a half parts lemon juice, and then some um, powdered sugar, put it in ice, shake it hard and pour. How about you, sir? What, what's your themed drink for today? So I'm calling mine uh, Blue Stardust. And oh, it's, it's Ooh, blue, nice. and it, you can see the stardust there. Yeah, the, absolutely. Uh, the sanding sugar on the top. And so I named this after uh, one of the episodes that I liked more in Roar, which was the sixth one, The Woman yeah. Who Solved Her Own Murder, I think is what ah, it's called. yes. And at the very end, she turns into stardust. She does, Bluish yes. green stardust and flies away. So I've got blue and green and the stardust. Perfect. And it's uh, vodka, triple sec, and blue Coruscant. Well, here you are, sir. Cheers to you. Cheers cheers, to you, Mark. Cheers to a good show. And cheers to all those who have tuned in. Wow. Betty knew what she was doing. (laughs) Betty, she always knew what she was doing. Of course she did. Of course she did. (laughs) Let's get into it.
of tuning into the Moon Shine Jesus Show. So today we're talking about Roar, and it's uh, it's an anthology that's based on the book Roar by Cecilia Aaron, a New York Times bestseller. And it's a woman-led surreal anthology that combines magic realism, social reality, horror, comedy, and drama. And in each episode works to unravel the nuances behind some of the most crucial issues affecting women today as we join eight different protagonists, each at a, a moment of transition in their life and each ultimately handling it with, with, with wit and, and resourcefulness and compassion. So, uh, Caleb, look, you know, we, we, we read about this. It was kind of one of the hot, hot uh, new series released in April. We were very interested in just from this description. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously going to be covering a lot of interesting and important issues. And, it's, and it presents itself as like it's going to be really unique in the way it goes about doing this, right? So, it's unique. Uh, it is. <laughs> so, so what what was your, your like after one or two episodes, what was your initial kind of response to what you received? Okay, so if I had to describe this series in one word, it would be weird. And if it was two words, it would be super weird and so my favorite moment was Mar mark you texted me last week after like three episodes yeah. and he said uh roar is really weird and i said good weird and you're like uh maybe <laughs> and so i got i got to that point i decided last night i was gonna binge the whole series okay yeah. one night all eight episodes and so wow. I got to the third episode, and I'm like, okay, I understand. I understand that text. Mark, Mark was like, this is weird, man, because that's the one where she's like on a shelf, like a trophy, a oh. literal trophy one right. that yeah. lives on a shelf. And so yeah. it was weird. Yeah, it was well, you know, I had that that was definitely it. Like ultimately, so if you texted me that same question, good weird or bad weird today, I'd still go, um, I don't know. Um, maybe I'm not I, really I sure. Oh, maybe, maybe good weird. I don't I still don't know. Look, here's kind of my take on it. Okay, yeah. Um this is this anthologies are hard to do. There's only been a few who have done it well. Uh, uh 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 what was the black black uh can't remember it now, but there was a one that Netflix did, Black Mirror, great anthology. Yeah. The original, yeah, the, the original Twilight Zone, great anthology. Anthologies are historically just difficult to do. Um, and, and this one proves it out. It's difficult to do. There's there's this is a this is full of hits and misses, full of it. I on agree. both sides. Completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. And and so it makes it hard to know whether you really love it or not. I definitely love the issues that are being brought up. Um, yeah. I, tell me if this is your experience. I felt okay. like, so there's eight episodes in the first season. Eight, yeah. I felt like some of them were so on the nose, like just telegraphing, this is what this is about. Uh -huh. And then other ones, you just sit there watching going, um, huh? okay. <laughs> yeah. um, and it finishes uh -huh. and you go, all right. I might have gotten something from uh, maybe. I mean, what was that? Did I just watch. What did I just watch? But, yeah. but at the same time, the ones that you could, yeah. what I just watched, you do have this sense of somebody believed that they were really like cleverly yeah. 
telling about an issue that, yeah. that you're going to eventually get. And I felt like if I sit with it long enough, it'll come to me. I'm not sure that I, I wanted that because look, <laughs> yeah, the people who really need to be dealing with and understanding these women issues, particularly, I'm just going to say mm -hmm. I'm a conservative men who probably don't really care one way or the other, that they're not going to wait, watch this and then sit and think about it and go, Oh, mm, I wonder. Yeah. I should, this is deep. What do I, honestly, yeah. it kind of needs to be a little more on the nose. It needs to hit hard. I think you're right. I think yeah. you're right. And you're, and you're right. Some of them do, they spell it out for us. Like they'll get yes. a monologue at the end saying, basically, here's what this is about. Here's the yeah. moral of the story. And others, you're right, are, are uh, com, com, kind of abstract in your okay. wondering. The, the Go other ahead. thing is, like, I think that's hard in terms, uh, maybe it's just a problem with anthologies in general, but it's hard to get invested in the story. And, you know, and, and some of them resolve neatly and others of them are kind of left open-ended. Mm -hmm. And right. so... Um, you find yourself sometimes invested with the character and not really getting an answer and wanting more. And other times, uh, I at least found myself saying, I think I'm done with the story. <laughs> like five minutes in and you're you're with the character. And uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think that that it's... So here, here's my proposal for, for this segment right okay. now. There's no way we yeah. can cover all eight episodes. So No, it's a lot. I, yeah, there's too much to... Let's let's just for the time of this segment, let's let's go one by one our favorites. Okay. And it sounds like from your drink that both of us have the same number one favorite. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because definitely uh, for me, the woman who solved her own murder, I I thought far outshined the rest of them. Not, yeah. Not that the rest of them were horrible. They all have some some really good right. qualities and parts about them. But I did think the woman who solved her own murder, it was just this beautiful piece of, of work. Uh, the acting's incredible. They've got, oh my God, I love the, the, the tandem uh, cops that are supposed yeah. to be solving uh, the murder. Right, the men. Yeah. The men. And, and they are your typical like bad guy cop, good guy cop, but they're both sort of reductive and sexist about mm -hmm. who this girl who was murdered might have been. Uh, yeah. I, I love how they that you far too frequently we see women being put into stereotypes in in right. shows, films, and stuff. Mm -hmm. I love that the the only real stereotypes were the two guys in this, and they were your right. your bad guy, bad guy cop, and they were so reductionist, they were so sexist about what they what right. might Absolutely. be going on. And all. I mm -hmm. thought that was brilliant. I love the Ego Wodum uh, from Saturday Night Live ends up being the cop who ends up solving it, um, and was. Yeah. Right in the role, fantastic. I thought, mm -hmm. um, and and I do think that that was one that it, it hit me late, uh, almost embarrassingly late. That a big part of this was uh, kind of the anti-woman uh, online hate uh, that gamers throw yeah. towards, women. and ultimately yeah. you know, like uh, uh, um, accuse women uh, of being the cause of all of their own, not the women's issue, but the gamers' personal issues. But I mean, it's been in the news a lot, probably was in the news when right. this was being written, frankly. Um, and I, I love the way that they handled that and the twist that, that it adds to that particular episode and how she does, solves her own woman, her own her, her own murder and, you, and, yeah. and shares that 
with another woman, empowers her, and has her ultimately, she says, like, re leaves, fi finally figures out how to leave notes and do things physical, and basically says, here's all the yeah. clues you need to solve this murder, and then you tell them that you need a promotion. I, I right. kind of love that. I kind of love that. I mean, what was your take? Yeah, I love that one too. It doesn't surprise me that we we both kind of picked the same one. I think I also think this was the uh, the episode that tied things up the neatest, which Fair. I which maybe is what I liked about it. I think as the series as a whole, I was looking for a bow to tie it up. I was hoping by the time we got to the last one, we'd get a bow or at least a common thread running. I agree. The and, I, and from the promos of it, I kind of thought there was going to be more than just right. women's issue being a common thread. I thought there was going to be some clever moment where yeah, it all the these stories are interconnected or something, and they yeah. weren't. They no. weren't. So I, I like that, but I also liked. Um, I I liked that this one. I I thought Allison Bree did a great job of, of acting. She you knows she's she's the one who is the kind of the ghost and who yeah. is figuring out her power. She's funny. It was entertaining to watch, and it in a humorous way deals with um notions of of evil and life and death and oh, yeah. i i thought that was kind of brilliant and uh you know the the cops are there uh contemplating the nature of good and evil and, and she's saying but how about the practical uh matter of 16 year old boys who right. are being taught casual violence right you know? and, so, and no one's monitoring it or doing much about it or and, and, it, and it's it's causing this 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 culture of right. of, of, of aggressive hatred and, and aggressive right. both in, in the mental way, but also in, in as the show spells out in physical ways. Uh, it's it. I thought it was a really well. For me, I wish more of the episodes were done this way. Yeah, I agree but, with you. And because we really unpacked it, but there's so much more. Like we could spend a whole show doing that one Just episode. One. And yeah unpacking all the little tiny parts of, of, of women's issues that they really do an absolutely wonderful job uh, addressing. And not just women's issues, but I think it did a great job of talking about death, you know, right. and yeah. the, the fact that, you know, my drink, I called the, the star blue Starduster or something like that. And uh, I love the thought of, you know, us returning to Stardust and, uh, you know, us being made. Oh, Carl Sagan. Yeah, that's right. You, you, right. You, yeah, you you came from Stardust. Yeah, that that's right. That that is uh, theological, right? The interconnection yeah. of the universe that 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 we are made from the same things as stars, and that we live yeah. on through the particles after us. So I think I think that episode was cool. The other one that really resonated with me, Mark, was yeah. uh, the first one. I really liked the first one, that's and the, I, the woman who disappeared. Yeah. The woman who disappeared, and so the plot is, if you haven't seen it, that she's a black woman who has written a memoir that she is selling as uh, uh, that's going to be turned into like a screenplay. Uh, yeah, a I love that she's talking to a friend about how do you uh -huh. feel about um, them do, turning your book into a film, and she goes, the thought of it just makes me itch. <laughs> I love it. It's like, I'm, I'm kind of excited. There's something. And little did she know how much it was going to make her itch because she goes to sell this, turned into a screenplay, and it turns out that she's selling it to four white men 
who want to turn her experience not into a screenplay, but into a VR experience where white people can live vicariously as her as a black woman. Yeah. And, oh, my God. And, uh, the moment we said that, I just felt yeah. horribly and crap. Oh, the it, I mean, you, inside you like, felt oh. itchy? Did yeah, you felt itchy yourself? I felt itchy. It was a horror. I was like, oh, I get it. I get it. Oh, it was terrible. And you see them looking at her and her looking back at them and then being completely clueless about how they are taking her story, her experiences, and exploiting them and manipulating them uh, just to, right. uh, to to show white people that they can live vicariously uh, through her experiences. And so uh, the thing that I thought was interesting about that, and I mean, they kind of spelled out for us, is how often black folks feel invisible, people of color feel invisible, right. as she literally becomes invisible to yeah. the the white folks the only people that can see her is are we assume black folks based right. on the uh the one yeah, there was one there was one other black character i i, I don't remember his name or the like but he was Blake. a lot yeah. loved his character it was a great character um mm -hmm. but uh the only one that could see interact with her ultimately I, I, it was brilliant writing in that at first, people could see her. Yeah. And as she was making suggestions and they stopped paying attention to her suggestions, she slowly became more and more invisible. And more invisible. Yeah. It was, it was, it was really crafty writing, I thought. I, I was yeah. really, really impressed. Really impressed with it. Um, and I wanted more. I wanted more. I think her name was Wanda. I wanted more Wanda. Like, I, I found myself going, I was. I was like, with the first episode, I was into Roar. I was I, like, yeah, I, I want I this. I want to see what happened to Wanda. Yeah, I would watch an entire movie of just Wanda and that experience uh, because it's, it's, it is black experience, but even more specifically, it's black Hollywood experience uh, where Hollywood is much more about co-opting black lives than celebrating black lives um, and, and, and and the feeling of being invisible and, and dismissed. Uh and it's just a brilliant episode. I, I, I really genuinely loved it. Listen, we've gone a little long on this segment, but I think that's just because there's so much that can be discussed here. There's a lot. But let's yeah. do this. Let's take a quick drop, uh, come back on the other side, and uh, hit some theopolitical questions. Let's do it. <laughs> Moonshine Jesus Show, where today we're talking about Apple TV Plus's new series, Roar, and we are moving into the political theological uh, segment where we are uh, really delving into what Roar means, and I think that even the description of the series kind of lays it out for us that it is about women's autonomy and uh, women's stories. And we were just talking about one of the episodes where one of the women becomes invisible. And so I think uh, one of the things that, that this really led me to think about was 
you know, we are continuing to combat patriarchy in our society and, and in the church as well, both politically and religiously. Uh, we're combating uh, systems that have been dominated by patriarchy. And so um, that led me to wonder what steps we ought to be taking, both kind of as a nation and as a church, to be combating that patriarchy and ensuring that, that women are, you know, uh, able to live into really who they're supposed to be. Do you have insights on that, Mark? Well, I, I don't, I, I don't know how good my insights are. I can tell you what. We what, are both white men. Right. I mean, that, that, that's yeah. the real problem with us trying to do this show, right? Like we're, we are not going to be able to be right. as, as fully uh, knowledgeable on this as a person who's lived the life and understands that's right. from a very personal. Although that's the that's the hope, right? The roar is that right. people like you and me ought to gain some insight onto what it, into what it's like to be a woman and to have this experience. Right. So, look, I'm usually not a big fan of pendulum swings, but I do, I do think, as a matter of fact, I think they're dangerous and, and lead to cycle, cycling in, in issues. Uh, but in the case of... Uh, What's basically misogyny and, and, and keeping women out and, and looking down and thinking that women are less capable in, in some ways. Um, also, there was a great episode uh, on, on internalized misogyny of uh, the woman on the shelf. That was brilliant. Talking about misogyny. Mm -hmm. anyway, mm -hmm. um, I think we need a pendulum swing. I think that we need both in our churches and in our government. I think we need to have women being the majority rather than the minority. Um, the, the problem is obviously the system is set up to try to, the, the, the system disallows that. It makes it very right. difficult. Um, the way that we vote makes it harder for, uh, particularly like working moms, it's harder for them to find the time and get out to vote and to vote for women. It makes it harder for women to be candidates uh, just because of the good old boy system that, uh, operates and how it allows people in and out. Uh, so there's lots, lots and lots of issues with doing it. But I really do think that the solution is, in this case, a pendulum swing. We need female, majority female leadership, both in our churches and in our government. Um, I think it, it would end up correcting. It's not going to fix all the problems because, you know, Marjorie Green and all. Yeah. Um, but it... I, <laughs> I think yeah. what we would see, though, is a uh, leadership that makes for a healthier nation, for a healthier church, a more compassionate world. Mm -hmm. uh, and and yeah. one of one of the episodes, you know, it was the only period piece in these episodes. It was the girl yeah. who loved horses, and it's a western. Mm -hmm. And instead of solving the issue, ultimately, you know, they, it feels like a, a regular old western. She's going to solve the issue, right? With guns and violence, guns and violence, like, yeah, very liquor. Yeah. yeah. But ultimately, they solve the problem with no nonviolent creativity and wit. Right. Uh, and, and, and I think that's what we would see more of in the world. And is that not the world that we are trying to create? Isn't that the world that we are, we, we are wanting to see? Absolutely, it is. And I do think we're starting to see the pendulum swing in churches. I think that a lot of churches are seeing uh, majority women in leadership and are better for that. Yeah. But I think that churches, uh, 
where we have uh, male clergy in the in the leadership role need to be making uh, important and um, and they need to be making decisions to include uh, women in leadership roles or to ensure that women are taking leadership roles because that's authentic uh, to the Jesus movement. You know, we we know now that women were the ones who largely financed Jesus ministry. Yeah, we know that women were some of his most active disciples. And, uh, you know, as and the, and the only ones that showed up at the grave, the only ones that didn't yeah, run away and hide. That's right. That's right. I love um, I, I love the thought. I, if some of you follow Nathan Monk on Facebook, I, I love on Holy Saturday, he posted this thing and he said, I don't know why people are always talking about uh, about everyone abandoning Jesus. Yeah, you know, Judas betrayed him and Peter denied him. But the women were ready to confront the Roman guards to go and perform the burial rites. Absolutely. And, uh, and I'm like, yeah. And, you know, as Jurgen Moltmann said, no one would have known about the resurrection had it not been for women preachers. And so no matter what you make of that, at least in the story, that's true, that it is women who go out and, and talk about what they've seen at the grave. And so we know that women were such an important part of Jesus's uh, ministry, that the church ought to reflect that, and we we really need to see that. And any justification by church leaders that excludes women is right. just misogynistic. It's really it just fitting into their own agenda. But what do we do? I mean, honestly, yeah. Church. The, the numbers show that mm -hmm. church attendance is predominantly yeah. female. Right. Like, it is predominantly female. However, yes. church yep. leadership tends to be predominantly male. So right. what do white male leaders like you and I, what do we need to be doing in our, our, our given positions of, let's just face it, power and influence? Yep. What do we do in yep. order to begin to change that? At my church, most yep. most leadership is is uh, women or have most leadership, except obviously yep. for my position, uh, which needs to yep. change. Uh, not that I want out of my job. I like my job a lot. I love my people. <laughs> uh, what else can we be doing? We Well, we advocate on behalf of women, and we ensure that structures are changing in such a way that are being uh, more fair to women. So I think it's also true that ordination processes in multiple denominations unfairly discriminate against women. Yeah. Uh, even for holding similar theological beliefs to, to that of men. And mm -hmm. so I think that whenever we are in positions of authority to advocate on behalf of people who, uh, who otherwise might be turned down and to give them opportunities that they other might, otherwise might not have had is one right. of the most important things that we can do to leverage our positions to, uh, to enact change. And I think generally, especially maybe you and I, Mark, as straight, white, <laughs> cisgender guys, eyes um, right. that we can do generally in society is to use those positions that we have to advocate on behalf of other people, to leverage uh, whatever weight it is that we have to ensure that other people have opportunities that they have. Yeah, and I, I'd add one more thing. Um, oh, good. Our, our church sign is a, a manual sign. Like It's not one of the big fancy signs. And if I do a series, I'll get a poster printed up and I'll use magnets to right. make a stick. But anytime I'm not doing a series, uh, the message on that board is always, and will always be, is unless someone 
else makes me change it. Amplify marginalized voices. I think it's not, it's not just advocate. It's also amplify. Like, yeah. like mm. if, if you are given power that other people aren't, they should be, but they are, are marginalized from it. Mm -hmm. Use the opportunity to amplify their voices every chance you get. Yeah, that's a great point too. And I mean, that's the gospel, Mark. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if if we had, I think, to summarize the gospel in a phrase, that might be it. To amplify yeah. marginalized voices. That's what Jesus did throughout his ministry. Absolutely. Whether we're talking about women, whether we're talking about people who are socioeconomically marginalized, whether we're talking <laughs> about people who are culturally marginalized, or in today's society, whether we're talking about people who are marginalized because of their oh, sexual yeah. orientation and gender identity or expression that those are things that we as church people ought to be amplifying their voices right and ellie so, green brings up another element of that yeah. uh whose comment in, in the in the comment section uh, saying it begins with listening and taking women seriously and and mm -hmm. i think that's a very important addition to the notes uh you cannot amplify a voice until you hear the voice take the voice seriously um, so I think that's a really, really strong point. Uh, we spend yeah. too much time thinking we know how to amplify rather than listening yeah. uh, and, and saying, what, 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 Good point. you tell me how to do this, not let, yeah. let me do this for you, but rather say, you tell me what I can do since I, I have this privilege. What can I do? Tell me. Is it a problem of like straight white men? I don't think so. We don't ever think oh, we know best, do we? Never, never. No, so speaking of not knowing best, uh, oh, let's let's get some questions. You know, from, please, from all of you out there. Please, yeah. those that are watching, we'd love send send a question in. Let us know what you uh -huh. would like us to answer in this next segment. And we will prove that we don't know best as we go into the Q&A or the background. Ask questions <laughs> to make sure you show how uninformed we really are. <laughs> All right, here we go. to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We're really glad that you are with us. Um, question for you from uh, Ellen Green. Uh, I think a person you know quite well. Uh, just wants to know, as a white woman, aren't you glad that she's in our audience today? <laughs> uh, I am always glad that Ellen's around because Ellen is always... Uh, Ellen is always insightful and I always appreciate uh, her comment. One of the other things that Ellen said today that I appreciated that I was looking back was the, <laughs> the episode about uh, the duck. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I've got to say that. What an actor. Uh, well, okay. And Mark, had we not been watching this for the show, 
after the duck episode, I would have stopped. <laughs> that would have been my, I'm like, I'm like, what is going on in this? But Ellen, I appreciate your insight about how it is, how it is uh, relatable for abusive relationships. And it really, I think was, uh, and maybe it's brilliant to put uh, the male character as a duck. And All right. Man, oh, or maybe it's like so, so, crazy. So, I don't know, but so you can see the manipulation there. Why would it be? I actually love. Hmm, I love. You what, love it. I love what the episode did. The the addressing okay. of abusive relationships, and then moving on to the power to leave an abusive relationship and, and be your own person and, and to not jump into another relationship. I loved that message. Why a duck? I mean, what, what, how does that help the story? Like, it, it, it like we, we frequently talk about how taking difficult messages and putting it into a fantasy world makes it easier to accept. Yeah. I'm not sure why having it be a duck helped the, like, the message that was being trying to be told. Like, as a matter of fact, it made it a, a, a little bit creepy. Like, bore, like oh, well, bore. it was super creepy. I mean, she's in a relationship. Like, not creepy, like, like illegal, like bestiality. Like, this is yeah, not bestiality. okay. Like, why are you She's talking about the size of the duck's penis. And that's like the, the thing that like gets the duck like into her. I... I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't, I just, I'm just saying, I'm not sure. Kind of like... When we talked about Batman, I was like, did did the story need Batman? They could have solved all this without him. I'm kind of like, why a duck? Like, it could have just been a dude. It doesn't matter. I mean, it, it like, it'd be great if it being a duck helped us access a point that would have been hard to do. It, 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 a, yeah, if it felt like it was just like okay, we need some something in every episode that like makes this fantasy esque and like is weird and like so in this one it's gonna be a woman's gonna be in a relationship with a duck. Uh, well, so well, I don't know I about that. The point the ducks are adorable, and I am not. They are, they I'm are not, adorable. I'm not that anyway. I'm just talking about as a writer, uh, as a guy who's my first, my first undergraduate degree was in English. And I focused, yeah. on, I focused on movies and writing in my undergraduate yeah. degree. Uh, I'm just oh. not sure how that moves the storyline. I'm not sure how it gives any separation from it actually being a real man uh, in a way that it allows us yeah. to access the point they're trying to make in a more valuable way. I, I, okay. I, I agree with you, Mark. The other, okay, but here's something else that hit me about that episode. This is around yeah. the time I realized it, is that if I had to pull a common thread besides, you know, like women autonomy, a woman in, uh, autonomy and empowerment and all that, would be familial relationships, that everything hit on some kind of familial relationship. And mm -hmm. in every single episode, there was a ref reference to a parent-child relationship. And so I, I'm curious what That's you think really that means. Is that, is that, uh, are they trying to say something about family? Is there something theological going on here? What's remind happening me, here? Remind me there wasn't a parent child in, in the woman who loved a duck. Uh, or, or okay. So, so, she wants, so she, I mean, so familially, obviously it's the sister, but 
They, she wants to be a doctor because of her dad. Her dad died because, oh, because of heart that. disease or oh, something like that. Yeah, and so yeah. her home, the driving plot for the story is that uh, this that she lost her dad due to heart disease or heart attack or something like that. And so she yeah, went to a sure. cardiologist. And so uh, so every one of these stories. What about the what, what, what about the woman who solved her own murder? How's that? How how was familiar there? Uh, so in in that one. This, I'm actually getting to a point because I don't think there was one, and I think you're onto something, and I think this actually proves it. Okay, uh, maybe you're right. Maybe that's maybe that's one I missed. Maybe. But maybe here, she no, 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 no. Okay, I don't think you me, did. Tell me what you think. Tell me. No, I, tell I, think, me I think this just proves how brilliant your insight is. It okay. turns out the woman who served solved her own murder. Yeah. Is the only episode that wasn't based on one of the stories from the book. I think that you've picked up on what what um, uh, Cecilia Aaron, what her book. I, I, I would be interested to pick that book up now and see if that's not a thing that weren't runs through all of them. Because the woman who saw her own murder was outside of the book. She consulted on it. She was part of developing it. But it wasn't in the book. I think that proves your theory in terms of what Cecilia was doing was very much doing these parental relationships, influencing what's going on. I I, I, I missed that, man. I think that's very insightful. And the more I think about it, I, I don't know about the first one. I don't I don't remember. She's she's got a friend who has who has a child okay. that that they're thinking no. about. But but uh, you know what? This, the- this is this is this. I would go as far as to say that that one's not so much parental, but it is ancestral. That this mm-hmm. is a, a history of being invisible that's been passed down through generations. Yeah, so well, I, thank you, there, thank there you is, for proving that point, Mark. I, I think there is still a bit. <laughs> yeah. I we need all I need all the help I can get on that. So <laughs> I, I appreciate it. But I, I love the thought. I love the thought too of how important familial relationships are. And for instance, in in the episode that you're talking about, um, the woman who solved a real murder, how even if those relationships don't exist for you or uh, are unspoken, how important the relationships that we develop, our chosen family, is. Yes. And so we, because in that episode, we realize how close she is with one of her friends and so i think that that's that's theological you know that, oh, it's, that theological. it's something that we underemphasize in today's world like um mm-hmm. chosen family is every bit and, and in some cases more important than birth family um hmm. and we we don't uh, uh create enough emphasis on that this is particularly true uh in the lgbtq community uh, yeah. here's, here's the, my drink, my drink, uh, Betty White and her advocacy for LGBTQ, but, uh, in LGBTQ lives, chosen family, uh, can, can literally save a life. It can, Absolutely. Be, can be the difference maker. And so, yeah, I'm with you. I think that, that that's an important element that we do see some and probably need to be emphasizing more. Yeah. And so I give thanks for you, Moonshine Jesus uh, listeners and watchers yeah, for being our chosen family. 
And uh, we, uh, we appreciate you. And so cheers to you all, moonshine Jesusers. Uh, yes, indeed. Cool. Thank you for being here. We, we, Moonshiners. Uh, what do we call? Moonheads. Let us know. Yeah, what yeah, do you we want need to, to know call? what you want to be called? Yeah, moonshiners. I don't know. What should we call you? Let us know. But more importantly, just keep tuning in. We love being Absolutely. able to do this. We love seeing your comments. Uh, y'all, y'all are the best. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're the best, Mark. Thanks for talking about Roar. What we're gonna talk about next week. Absolutely. You tell you want to tell me you I'm gonna I mean we're both excited about it. How should we do we're, this? We're, Okay, yeah. So we're we're you pumped do it, you about do it. this. This okay, is your okay. okay, I we're pumped about this because you know we were watching Roar and we're like, this is weird. And there are some <laughs> valuable lessons we think here. I think we're gonna have a good conversation. But I know that Mark and I are both excited because next week we're watching Marvel's newest release, oh, yeah. uh, and that's Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And I can't wait to see what they do with the multiverse. I'm ready to see this. So, I'm ready to talk about so it. For for folks that geek out like I, I do, uh -huh. and, like, and like you do, yep. here's, yeah, yeah. here's what little I have gathered. Yes. Make sure you watch the first Doctor Strange, mm -hmm. and make sure that you go and watch on Disney the What If series. It's an it's an animated series, mm -hmm. and it is about all these alternate universes. Like, what if Spider Man is Captain Marvel or, or uh, 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 Iron Man? Like, there's a lot of what what if the Avengers are zombies? Yeah, I haven't Turn, watched it. I you watch it. I promise you. I'm going I, to. I, I'm going to binge it. I've read just enough. I'm going to rewatch it. I've read just enough to know that in the multi universe. Mm -hmm. Quite a few of those what ifs actually show up in real, not not oh. animated, but real life. It's so okay. It's it's worth it. that. But also, everyone, please yeah. go and see the movie if you're able to, and then join us on Monday because man, these are the things that you and I really need. Oh, we're gonna have a blast, and <laughs> it's fun to go to the movie theater. Come on, you're gonna love going to the movie theater after <laughs> next week. I'm ready, Mark. All right. Good to see everybody. We really appreciate your time here. Tune in next week, and uh, we'll see you then.